Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. What a time in Washington. We've all been inundated with news of what is in or out or back in the colossal tax package that's still in process in Congress. The Senate passed its version at 2 a.m. with a draft that still had lobbyists' handwritten notes scribbled in the margins. One of these days, there will probably be a printed copy that us regular folks can get a look at, but until then, we'll keep hearing about it in dribs and drabs. In the midst of all that tax fuss, there are two other very key things that are also in progress in D.C. and that are of extremely great import for any of us that use essentially any digital device at all. The House Intelligence Committee, with less than a month to go, quietly slipped out a version of Section 702 of the FISA Act, which, from the point of view of pretty near any American who values personal privacy and using digital technology, is a step, a big step, unfortunately, backwards for online privacy. In the time-honored political tradition of trying to slip decisions out with little time to spare while people are paying attention to something else, like the tax bill, the hope may be that no one will pay attention to this 702 bill that has to be passed by December 31st or the law will sunset. We've done recent past programs on this subject, which are available on the WERU website if you're interested in getting some background info before contacting your congresspeople, which would be a very good idea to do. Over at the FCC, net neutrality will be rolled back on December 14th, with a few extra provisions thrown in, written, literally, by big internet service providers like Comcast, Verizon, and AT&T. Since the chair of the FCC has essentially shrugged off the hundreds of thousands of comments sent to the FCC in opposition to this policy, which is bad for consumers and other regular folks, the only thing remaining is for people to contact their congresspeople and express their views on the FCC's rollback of net neutrality. If you choose to do so, it might be helpful to point out that the stock prices of these giant companies have climbed like crazy since the FCC announced what it was going to do. In addition, despite claims by the ISPs that they're not going to slow down the internet traffic of individuals or nonprofits or libraries or small businesses that don't have the money to pay for higher speed service, one of those giants, Comcast, has already quietly changed its promise about that on its website. So, for those who can't afford to pay extra, assuming Congress doesn't step in, welcome to life in the Internet slow lane. Probably not immediately for obvious political reasons, but probably not very far in the future either. While we've been trying to decipher what all of these Washington machinations are going to mean for our personal and local community lives, the tech world has certainly not stood still. Let's leave the impact that politics is going to have on our digital lives for a bit and catch up on a few of the rather amazing science and technology stories that we can all be forgiven for missing in the tsunami of stuff coming out of Washington lately. We've reported before on the use of fake cell phone towers, also called stingrays or IMSI catchers, 
that can intercept cell phone traffic and then quickly pass it on to the cell phone company's towers so that cell phone users have no idea that their communications have been intercepted. The use of these devices by law enforcement agencies has generated a lot of upset and a few court cases since their existence has been revealed. But in one of those stories that reminds us that once a technology exists, it's almost impossible to completely control who uses it. It's come to light that a security firm has detected 18 of these Stingray-type devices in the Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia area that U.S. law enforcement apparently knew nothing about. Interestingly, these phony tower interceptors have been detected in the vicinity of the White House, the Supreme Court, the Senate office building, even the Russian embassy. You get the picture. So, who's operating these things? Who knows? Apparently Congress doesn't. That's why Senator Ron Wyden, a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, sent a letter to the Department of Homeland Security asking the agency to look into the matter. Since DHS itself deploys one of these things an average of once a day, often without a warrant, the senator perhaps hoped that Homeland Security could get to the bottom of the mystery. If he ever gets an answer, we'll try to let everyone know. Once again, we have to note that technology can be used in lots of ways, often beyond what the inventors may have initially foreseen. Take those wonderfully convenient car keys that we can just click and they open our car doors and even start our cars. That's wonderful on a cold morning or in a dark parking lot late at night. It's not so wonderful if a car thief comes to our homes in the middle of the night and reads the signal emitted by a car key from inside our house and then uses that signal to fool the car into unlocking and driving right away all in less than a minute without putting a scratch on the car or altering it in any way. For the first time that we know of, this process was recently recorded by a security camera. Go to the page on the WERU website for today's program and click on the link you'll find there, and we can all watch the process for ourselves. And there is so much more to catch up on. The iPhone's new face recognition software, Artificial intelligence being used to spot genetic errors in academic papers on cancer. Building algorithms using Google Earth to look at cars parked on neighborhood streets and predict how that neighborhood will vote in elections. And on and on. We'll do our best to catch up on what transpires, both within the Beltway and way beyond, that will affect our everyday digital and physical lives right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. Music